Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. partner and welcome to not just a sports report once again back for some nrl this time around no snake in my boots so feeling thankful feeling grateful this is the nrl weekly preview round 16 so wow a fair chunk of the season played now now if you've listened to the podcast before you would know that i've split the season into three so the first third was round one up until magic round The second third has been this origin series, kind of navigating that from Magic Round onward. And the third part of the season is just coming up. It's approaching. So once origin is over, that third part of the season will be that real finals push. And for some sides, including sides like the Broncos and Cowboys, which we certainly didn't expect, uh, Premiership hopes. Sounds like there's some kind of truck outside. Don't know if you can hear it. Uh, apologies if you can respect to trucks now i'm going to be previewing all eight games for this weekend as i always do each week and unfortunately look last weekend was rep round and supposedly representative round is going to be no more uh just it's it's definitely a shame they need to work something out they definitely need to work something out to get the internationals going Uh, They don't put enough emphasis. Like, that's one thing. Everyone loves the Football World Cup. Even if you don't watch football, like, most people will watch their country at the very least if they've qualified for the Football World Cup. Then you look at the Rugby Union World Cup. Even that, like, I look forward to a lot as a Kiwi. You've got the All Blacks. Wallabies, look, they are always a chance, no doubt. They're trying to build towards becoming a force once again. You have sides like England, Ireland. You have the Pacific Nations as well, like Fiji, Tonga, Samoa. And yeah, South Africa as well, their guns. So there's so many sides that are good in the Rugby Union World Cup. Argentina as well. Rugby League has been lacking. It's basically been New Zealand, Australia and England for the longest time. Well, now that is no more, we are starting to really see some development, some promise and some some excitement really with the World Cup coming up. Now, instead of just like, okay, Australia just going to go through and win this, maybe the Kiwis... Uh, we'll win. We've got Tonga, we've got Samoa, um, plenty of other sides as well. You've got like Lebanon, Cook Islands, Jamaica. That'll be a lot of fun, no doubt. And look, Samoa looked really, really good on the weekend. David Nofaluma, four tries. And with the World Cup incoming, look, they've got some big names that could be playing. Brian Toto, Jerome Luai, Stephen Crichton, Junior Paolo, and Murray Taulangi. All Samoan eligible, throw in Tino Fasuma as well, and it will be very, very interesting to see who decides to represent Australia and who decides to represent Samoa, because I think there's a good chance a large portion of those players are going to choose Samoa. I would imagine Jerome Luai, given that Cameron Munster, if he stays fit, will be in front of him, maybe even someone like Jack Whiten as well. So Jerome Luai, I don't think he'll be hurt at all. Uh, he will be very keen to represent Samoa. Throw in the side they've already got as well, and very exciting times for the nation. Had a really good win over the Cook Islands on the weekend. 
Obviously, we had the New Zealand Kiwis and Tonga as well. Kiwis far too good in that one. Really happy to see as a New Zealand supporter. And Michael Maguire potentially showing what he can do with a New Zealand Kiwis side. Could put him in the box seat maybe to land the Warriors gig. As a Warriors fan, I actually wouldn't mind that. And of course, I will speak about the Warriors later and their huge homecoming. I'll also speak about Joey Manu, who had a record-setting, history-making game, ran for, I think it was it just under, or was it just over 400 meters? Like, insanity. Joey Manu could be a million-dollar player, could play fullback at pretty much any club, but stuck behind Tedesco. So I'll get to that a little bit later. Of course, we had Papua New Guinea's fantastic win as well. The last game for David Mead, who is going to step aside and allow a youngster to come through and get some World Cup experience, which that happened for David Mead early in his career. And that's really classy. Like a lot of players would have been like, you know, he's the captain, I'm pretty sure. He could have said, you know, I'm going to go through, have a great time at the World Cup, even if, yeah, maybe we don't do so well or whatever. There's a young Papua New Guinea kid who is going to miss out, but like, hey, I'm an NRL player, I'm the captain, I'm fully entitled to take my place. But David Mead, like, really admirable. He stepped aside, and if you want to talk about international development, well, that's a great call, because now David Mead allowing most likely someone from the PNG Hunters in the Queensland Cup or someone of that kind of caliber to step in and gain some experience and develop. So really classy from David Mead. He scored a try in his final game as well with the Kumuls upsetting Fiji. And definitely on the weekend, a key theme were the sides that had steady halves. They were the ones who got the job done. That was the same in the Papua New Guinea game with Kyle Labert and the Sydney Roosters, Lachlan Lamb, staring them to the win. The importance of international footy, no doubt, like everyone knows it, we all want a strong international game, so they need to figure out what they're going to do now that they're getting rid of rep round. International footy should be prioritised. At the end of the season, I'm not sure, like when everyone's busted and a lot of them, the big players don't play in the tournaments unless it's a big one like the World Cup, so they need to work something out. Even if it's around origin time and you just had like... I don't know, a couple of different test series, three test series or something. Maybe not three, but work into that kind of origin period, even if you play them, fuck it, on a weeknight. Like, get it out there. Definitely should be prioritized. That is my view as far as international footy is concerned. Okie dokie, let's get to what is next on my agenda. State of Origin 2, some quick thoughts on that. Uh, Was going to do a thoughts and comments podcast. Had a couple of drinks and... Yeah, I got sucked up in the game. I actually did the first half, and then the second half, I was just full Gus Gould mode. No, 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 as a Queensland fan. So um, I'll just give some quick thoughts. Really close first half. Um, It seemed like the Blues, I guess, that kind of, it was weighing on them that they were 1-0 down. One loss in that game, and the whole series is over. A lot of criticism. Potentially, some origin careers could have been over, so... Definitely, I think the first half, a little bit shaky for the Blues, but then a second half blowout. Blues, obviously, way too good on the night. They seem to go really well at the neutral venues. Perth has been one, and Melbourne. I've been to two State of Origin games in Melbourne. Both times, the Blues got the job done, so I found that to be an interesting fact. 
And if you listen to my State of Origin preview, I mentioned that the Penrith factor was going to be massive. Heaps of Penrith players on the park. Obviously, on the wing, you had Brian Toto. In the centres, Stephen Crichton. Alongside Matt Burton, last year's Dellingham Centre of the Year, a Premiership winner at the Penrith Panthers. And look, he's only been at the Dogs for less than a year. So, look, he definitely still has those connections and combinations intact. We saw that much on the weekend. In the halves, you have the Penrith halves, Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary, who were backed up and complemented perfectly in the middle by Isaiah Yo, who has great hands. He is often the link and the middleman, quite literally, between Luai and Cleary. And he's a bit of an unsung hero. I know this year and last couple of years, like any rugby league fan or pundit, doesn't underrate Isaiah Yo, but just I think to the casual viewer, Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary do so much amazing shit, but Isaiah Yo, a bit of an unheralded worker in the middle, but now he's starting to really get his credit. And then Freddie Fittler making the big change, kind of emulating similar to what Queensland had done, bringing Harry Grant off the bench. He started RP Coruscant, Damian Cook off the bench. RP, another one who plays into that Penrith Panthers factor. You had Cleary Luai in the halves, a few of them in the back line, and obviously Isaiah Yo in the middle, not to mention Liam Martin on the edge as well. So Api Coruscant, nobody touches the ball more than the dummy half. He would have a great connection and relationship with the Panthers players outside of him, and he was also part of the Origin series last year, so he'd be familiar with some of the other names within that team as well. And Penrith, they're just special. They're a very, very special team. And that is carrying over into the New South Wales Blues as well. It's not all about the Panthers. There are some other amazing players. Let's not forget the captain, James Tedesco. Uh, But the Panthers factor, I spoke about it a lot in the preview. And that absolutely came into play. I wrote a couple of notes on the highlights. So New South Wales had the early penalty. They went up 2-0. And then Felice Kafusi scoring the first try. He has since gone over to Los Angeles to be with his father, I believe, who uh, I'm not sure the exact uh, scenario there. But yeah, hopefully Felice Kafusi all goes well on that front. So he scored the first try and it was Callum Ponga. Can't even speak English, bloody hell. Uh, Callum Ponga, who was just awesome. He held the ball up just enough. He didn't pass too early or too late. And he just hit that perfect pass for Felice Kafusi. That is what Knights fans have wanted to see. But obviously, with a different team around him, Ponga has really lifted. And the one thing we can't forget that I've spoken about a little bit as well, Billy Slater, one of the greatest fullbacks of all time. He's worked with the likes of Jerome Hughes, Scott Drinkwater, Ryan Pappenhausen. He's had a very, very um, big involvement with Ryan Pappenhausen. And look at how all of those fullbacks are playing. So Kellen Ponga... There is no doubt in my mind that he is going to get better and better as long as he's working under Billy Slater. So Newcastle fans should be really happy. Kalen Ponga setting up the first try for Felice Kafusi, And then the Blues bounced back. Matt Burton scoring a try. Uh, that got them up. But at that stage as well, I had a multi on. If you listen to the preview, my uh, game multi was Matt Burton anytime try scorer. Murray Taolungi anytime try scorer and Queensland Maroons anytime try scorer. Wow, 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 wow. But yeah, Matt Burton scoring the try. Uh, he's just such a gun. Like he's so fast. And yeah, I don't know. There's something about him in the centers where he just scores tries. Same as 5'8. 
He was destined to play for the Blues like a couple of years ago in the under-20s origin. He was the standout, easily the man of the match. And the way he's fast-tracked himself into the NRL and just been killing it, and now at the Bulldogs and making a real difference, Matt Burton, this is not the last we are going to see of him in a Blues jersey. So he scored the second try. Then after that, Queensland Maroons, I was pretty G'd up. Cameron Munster scoring a try and once again, Kalen Ponga involved. So I was really, really impressed with Kalen Ponga in the first half. Obviously the second half went a lot differently, but I remember vividly in that first 40 minutes thinking like, I don't know if we're gonna win, but like I was pumped after the Munster try and Ponga's involvement in two of the tries really was something that I was encouraged by. And we can see Billy Slater is such a goat coach. I hope Reese Walsh, who was in the extended squad, Hopefully he stays with the Warriors, who knows. Uh, he's actually out this weekend as well, but he was part of that setup as well, so really happy that Reese Walsh getting some time. Like, it's not about playing Origin. He's, it's not that level yet, uh, maybe next year, but most definitely just get him working with Billy Slater, get him around the setup. But the Billy Slater aspect, that's the one that really encourages me. Now, after the Cameron Munster try, we saw Felice Kafusi get sin-binned, which was a really, really contentious point for a lot of people. For me, I'm just like, eh. Honestly, I, th I, can, I think it was fair. Like, it, on the end result... So, I just fucking let, let that, uh, whoever that was, rev their engine. Uh, anyway, we digress. Kafusi sin-bin, play on, um, I can deal with that. Brian Toto, he scored a try right before halftime. That was a little bit of a dagger sitting on the couch as a Maroons fan. I was like, ah, damn. I was feeling good after that Munster try, but Brian Toto scored at halftime. The Blues led 14 to 12, but I was still feeling good. We were still most definitely in the game, so I was feeling pumped. Then comes the second half. Daniel Tupo scores a try. It was Nathan Cleary with a perler of a cutout pass for Daniel Tupo, who retained his spot, had a really good game in game one, and an even better one in game two, scoring early in the second half. Nathan Cleary stepping up, and he was about to literally just blow the roof off of Optus Stadium. So a big pass from Nathan Cleary to get them started. And then afterwards, Jerome Luai, that Panthers factor. Luai scored a try, soft defense from Queensland, and far too easy. And then another very soft try. Nathan Cleary, this time going himself, scores. And then about a minute later, Cleary scores again. Two tries in two minutes. And then I was just like, oh, man. That's as a Queensland fan. If I was a Blues fan, definitely would have been pumped. And like happy to, happy to see them, you know, doing some dope shit but yeah Queensland that was when I was like okay I don't think this this multi is gonna get up and it was also the last leg of a, a really decent multi so uh unfortunately yeah Queensland couldn't get it done Cleary with the two tries in two minutes and at that point sadness intensifies Angus Crichton also scores a try so yeah the Blues weren't done there 44 to 12 wow uh, not doomsday, not, yeah, gonna fucking, you know, panic, but wow, yeah, that's, that's a drumming, and we did get pumped a couple of times last year, so, is this the guy with his engines back? Sounds like some kind of truck, so, 
I know this is like not NRL related, but maybe some kind of truck, that one. Uh, I would be interested to know your thoughts. Sorry, usually I, I wouldn't edit this out, but um, yeah, today we're just rolling rolling with vehicles. Sorry if you're not about it. Now, let's get back to the Origin 44 to 12. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Blues again. They're just, yeah, fuck. This is kind of what I thought might happen in game one, and then it didn't. And so I was like, okay, no, Queensland can win. Now I've seen that Queensland can win. I thought that Ruben Cotter was a really big loss. Ben Hunt played well, but using him in the middle, he didn't have that same impact that Ruben Cotter had. And defensively, Ben Hunt, not like he's great, but Ruben Cotter just, I feel like he was the perfect man for that number 13 jersey for Queensland. The Blues, they were phenomenal. Nathan Cleary, I'll jump onto his stats in a moment or some of the key ones because he absolutely killed it. Matt Burton as well, as I said, he's born for origin. I think he's going to play many, many games by the time his young career is done with. And one of the things I spoke about on the preview podcast was Api Corusau and Damian Cook. Using Damian Cook as a number 14, how is it going to work? Uh, and they didn't have a huge bearing on the game. Uh, I guess they did, but it wasn't so evident compared to Cleary and the like. They just let their halves and everyone else do their thing. But Api Corusau and Damian Cook, obviously it was a success. 44 to 12 screams that that was a success so i think they'll stick with that in game three and a successful decision from Fetty fitler to recall jake trebojevic and angus Crichton, both of them having killer games and freddie fitler yeah not afraid to bring them back in the fold no josh adokar though so still no josh adokar who couldn't have done much more to earn his spot back in the side he is the fastest man on the planet after all, but Daniel Tupo, it would have been pretty stiff to drop him in that same sense. Now jumping onto the stats for Origin, Nathan Cleary, two tries, two try assists, 24 points, 24 points. And if you throw in the two try assists, that's like 32 points contributed from Nathan Cleary directly. So. That's how impressive it is. I, I'm not going to dwell on it heaps because there's a lot to get to in this podcast. I don't want to keep you too long. I've still got to go through all the games in round 16, but 24 points for Cleary, 32 points of involvement, which is huge. The two try assists were awesome. Two tries himself and Nathan Cleary, no doubt the MVP. Looking at some other stats, Patrick Carrigan, 43 tackles. I think he'll start in game three. Uh, if Ruben Cotter is not fit. Brian Toto, he was remarkable. 261 run meters, two line breaks, and a try. And it was the back three for New South Wales who really made a difference. Queensland, look, Ponga had an awesome game, but the wingers, unfortunately, young, still learning. Uh, I'm not going to drag them at all, but yeah, they'd had a pretty poor showing comparatively, just comparatively to who they were up against. The New South Wales back three, other than Cleary, were a major, major reason as to why the Blues got the job done. Having a look at the back three, they combined for 720 run meters. So they made a hell of a lot of a difference. And the back three, this is Tedesco, Daniel Tupo, and Brian To'o. So the three of them ran for 720 meters combined, 29 tackle breaks between three men. Three men breaking 29 tackles, like 
in state of origin at the highest level. So that absolutely tells me and indicates just how big the back three were in this game to help get the Blues the win. 101 post-contact meters for Brian Toto as well. Like, the meterage is insane. Hard to stop. And on that front, you'd have to think maybe to combat that, if Xavier Coates is not fit, then maybe the Maroons are going to go for Corey Oates at Suncorp, where he's been playing blinding football this year for the Brisbane Broncos. He's played Origin before. Bit of a bigger body as well. Very interested to see Billy Slater's selections for Game 3. On to some of the not-so-flash stats. We won't dwell on this for too long. Dane Gagai, eight missed tackles, which I do worry about sometimes. I don't know. Like, I know he's a really good defensive center, but I, I, last year in the Rabbitohs game where Josh Adokar scored six tries, I know Adokar was on the wing, but Gagai was in the centers, and I don't know who was to blame. It could have been the winger. could have been the back roller. It could have been any of them or all of them. Um, but ever since then, I've kind of been like, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. But I still rate Gagai. I mean, he's, you can't not pick him for Queensland. There would be outrage. People would fucking be rioting if you didn't pick Dane Gagai. He still absolutely deserves to be there. Uh, but the defense, like he has missed some tackles this year as well. And at the highest level up against a surging blue side, that was something I was a little bit concerned about. He had eight missed tackles in the game. Alongside Selwyn Cobbo, who was on the right side alongside Gagai, five missed tackles for Selwyn Cobbo. So uh, together between the right center and the right winger, that is 13 missed tackles. That really didn't help their cause at all. And four errors as well for Selwyn Cobbo. Only in his second game, I think we all know he's gonna get a hell of a lot better. So I'm, I don't have a lot to say on that, but yeah. He, he would definitely be upset. Not a great game from Selwyn Cobbo. Four errors a lot in the Origin arena. Some quick talking points, and then I'm going to jump on to the opening game of round 16. The series is now tied up, so we are heading to a game three at Suncorp. The fucking atmosphere is going to be immaculate, no doubt. Some of these young players who haven't played at Suncorp yet, they think they know Origin, but... This, this is Origin at its absolute peak. Game three at Suncorp. Only two New South Wales sides in history. And that's what, like 60 years or something? History of Origin. Only two New South Wales sides have won a decider at Suncorp Stadium in Queensland. So I think that tells you just how big this is. New South Wales, I mean, if there's a third side that can do it, there is no doubt in my mind that it is this New South Wales side. But... The Queenslanders are going to lift to a gear that we are yet to see this season, no doubt, as well. That's going to be a great game, Game 3, taking place in Brisbane. There will be some selection dilemmas. I'll talk about that uh, once it becomes a little bit more relevant. I know it's relevant now, but we'll, we'll get into this weekend of footy and we'll see where things are at after injuries, suspensions, form, and things like that. Obviously, the Queensland left wing position was one I talked about. Murray Taolangi. Uh, Corey Oates and then of course you had Xavier Coates who injured himself I don't think he'll be fit and I do think they will select Corey Oates in game three for the Blues a lot of talk about the centers heaps of people saying Latrell like they're really insistent do we bring Latrell back for the decider um, after only one game look I think Stephen Crichton and Matt Burton played awesome obviously you had Jack Whiten as well 
that's a headache. I, I won't go into that too much. We'll let Freddie decide. And maybe once the selections have been made, we can really have a talk about those selections and things like that. David Fafita, he's another option as well for Queensland off the bench if uh, Slater decides that maybe Fafita could offer a little bit more in a short burst compared to Jeremiah Nanai, who didn't have his best game in Game 2. And look, with the Kangaroos World Cup campaign coming up, along with many Pacific nations, which there's a lot of Pacific Island players in State of Origin, which is awesome to see, uh, Kangaroos and other nations' spots up for grabs, but predominantly Kangaroos and the main one I'm thinking, Nathan Cleary, Daily Cherry Evans, that's going to be a big one. I, I can actually see them sticking with Cherry Evans, which would be like, I want them to go Cleary, everyone wants them to go Cleary, but I can see Melmaninga going Daily Cherry Evans, so I think this third game is going to have a massive, massive bearing as to which way the Australian Kangaroos decide to go come World Cup time. And let's not forget that they'll go Munster at six if he's fit. So DCE and Munster with a pre-existing combination, but Cleary, I mean, it would be crazy for him to not be playing. He is the best player in the game, you'd have to say right now, along with others, but uh, uh, fucking hell, best halfback in the world. So you'd have to pick him, pock him, gee whiz, okay. Moving on from State of Origin 2 now, but yeah, definitely some World Cup battles coming up, and no doubt I will jump into a preview for Game 3 when that comes up. Now, it's time to jump in to Round 16. And kicking off the action is our Thursday night fixture at Four Pines Park, where the Seagulls are going to be hosting the Melbourne Storm in what, in my opinion, so far has been the best rivalry of the modern NRL era. Both sides just having such a long sustained success storm a little bit more so but the seagulls well under des hasler no side knows how to rattle the storm more than a hasler led manly seagulls side but when you look at the ladder this one it definitely tips in favor of the melbourne storm even though they are the away side much better form they are sitting second on the ladder whilst manly are sitting 10th and that is solely due to their inability to be able to defeat top eight sides this year and after that Cowboys comeback well the Seagulls season is really starting to slip away they've had a buy round they've had rep round like a lot of guys played but Hasler has had a chance to reset try recalibrate and work out exactly where they go from here as far as trying to push for finals football but their season slipping away fast that makes this one a must win and you Can't ask for many tougher games in the NRL other than maybe the Penrith Panthers. So this is a must-win game for Manly and a really, really tough one to do so. I know that they are like a chance. I think a lot of people know that they are a chance going into this one because they have the ability to really push the storm and in a tight contest, get on the fucking top. If Jeez, that made uh, little sense. Anyway, Manly are 0-8 against top eight sides this year, so I've lost faith in them. I picked them against the Broncos, against the Sharks, a couple of other games as well. Maybe, I think I picked the Rabbitohs to beat them, but uh, yeah, the the Manly Seagulls, that has been the common theme all season. They are still yet to beat a top eight side. And look, this is a danger game for the Storm because of that, because Manly have been trying. Oh, they just just shit the bed so hard against Cowboys and against the Eels they also just lost that one so they were really close to winning 
Um, but yeah, it seems like they just can't find what it takes to beat a top eight side. Has the rep round and the buy round changed anything? Well, we're going to have to wait and see in Thursday night football. Now, on to the team news, courtesy of NRL.com. Josh Alloyer is out with some concussion issues after playing for Samoa on the weekend. So Sean Kepi moves into the starting lineup and Taniella Paseca onto the bench. Quite literally, a big inclusion. Daily Cherry Evans and Jake Trebojevic will be backing up. Pretty short turnaround given that they played on Sunday. And also backing up from rep round, we have Tolu Kola, Christian Tuipilotu, Josh Schuster, Kieran Foran and Marty Tapao. So they're going to have to get things going pretty quickly. Not a lot of time to collect their thoughts after the representative round. We also had that beautiful Schuster moment when they were singing the anthem for Samoa. There was, of course, the story he and Keith Titmus, who passed away uh, last season at training. Um, really, really unfortunate. It wasn't a training incident. He just he passed away at training. Really good mates with a lot of boys. Um, that we see in the NRL now, especially throughout that manly system. So that that was a really unfortunate thing to happen, especially by now. Potentially, I mean, it's you don't want to talk about these things really, but he could be he could have been playing NRL by now for sure. He was a really quality player, uh, and Josh Schuster. Look, they felt like at some stage they were going to represent Samoa together. That was a dream of theirs. Unfortunately, Keith Titmus no longer with us, but. You saw how emotional Josh Schuster was during the National Anthem, tears flowing, and that was a really emotional moment, no doubt, and a big case as to why we need things like Representative Round to take more of a priority, and yeah, or just be more of a priority. Now, for the Melbourne Storm, we see that Cameron Munster, he was named, but he has since been pulled from the game, obviously has his shoulder issues. Felice Kafusi is out as well. Chris Lewis will start in the back row. Jaden Nicarima on the bench. I was wondering whether he'd go to 5-8, but we have seen that Ryan Pappenhausen back in the side at fullback, so that is a massive inclusion. And that will see Nick Meany. Well, he's been moved to 5-8, so it looks like Nick Meany will play 5-8. And eventually in the halves, look, maybe Jerome Hughes in a couple of years will take a really big deal. Jonah Pezet, he's a young halfback at the Storm. Newcastle Jr., he fucking killed it in the New South Wales under-19s game. Four try assists. And Melbourne Storm, if they keep him, my goodness, like... The things they do at the Melbourne Storm, it's just crazy. Really excited to see Ryan Pappenhausen back. Jonah Pezet yet to make his debut, but I'm sure we will see him at some stage. Maybe not this year, though. On to the key battle for this game, and that is the halfbacks. Daily Cherry Evans up against Jerome Hughes. For the Seagulls, DCE will be their captain, also the Maroons' captain, and he will be stinging coming off a very disappointing game up against the New South Wales Blues. As I mentioned as well, he is gunning hard to retain that spot as the Kangaroos' incumbent number nine. Number nine? Far out. Far out. Number seven, halfback. Daily Cherry Evans to play for the Kangaroos. That's what he wants to do. And Jerome Hughes, he's going to be the New Zealand Kiwis' half, so... Really, really interesting. We're seeing international caliber players go at it. And with no Cameron Munster for the Storm, Jerome Hughes going to take that extra level of importance. And for the Seagulls, Daily Cherry Evans always so instrumental in getting his side around the park. On to some talking points. Cameron Munster and his shoulder, definitely one of them. 
and Storm will just hope that they can nurse him through, he gets through Origin okay, and that he's fit for finals. That will definitely be the goal. will be really interesting, though, if something does happen further and he re-aggravates the injury, like plays Origin 3, and what the Storm would do in that situation. Obviously, we have the flat track bullies tag. I speak about it like twice a week on my two NRL podcasts, but it's constantly a theme. 0-8 up against top eight sides are the Manly Seagulls. Another one is Des Hasler up against Craig Bellamy. No coach in the NRL has a better winning record. I don't think anyone has a winning record, actually, against Bellamy, except for Des Hasler. I don't I don't know if you can fact-check me on that. That might not be right, but I know that Des Hasler definitely has the tricks up his sleeve to get the best out of Craig Bellamy's storm, which he's proven many, many times, including in a grand final. So that is definitely something to note. For the Storm and looking at who's backing up for them, Harry Grant for Queensland, the Bromwich brothers, Jerome Hughes, the Hectic Cheese, Tuika Mikamika and Justin Olim. So quite a few players backing up. They'll hope that they keep their form going from the rep round. And the Melbourne Storm now as we approach Origin 3, they are getting their premiership push started. They've got the big four, Harry Grant, Jerome Hughes, Cameron Munster, and Ryan Pappenhausen. And if they are there come finals time, well, we all know. This has been proven year after year. The Storm, as always, are in premiership contention this year. And things haven't necessarily been easy for them either. Like, their backline depth has been tested. At stages, their forward depth has been tested. But especially at the moment, like, over the last couple of years, they lost Vunivalu. Now they've lost Josh Adokar. Olam has been huge. Remus Smith was a great signing last year, but Remus Smith has been injured. Xavier Coates has hurt himself. We've seen Ryan Pappenhausen at stages, who has been out. And George Jennings, who started the year on the wing, out for the season. So their depth has been tested, but a lot of guns, a lot of young guns stepping up. Dean Eremia, uh, Grant Anderson, and Marion Seve, who's been at the club for a little while now. And he seems like he's really starting to hit his straps. Another little golden nugget of information that I got from NRL.com is this factoid. The Storm have the most tries in the NRL this season with 77 tries going into this game compared to the Manly Seagulls 55. So Melbourne Storm definitely know how to score a try. And I know that myself as a Warriors fan that went to the Anzac Day game and saw the 70-10 to 10 scoreline. I was like, what? It's even harder. It wasn't on TV, so I was like, what is going on? What? They scored again? Like, they, they only just kicked off. So that that was definitely a lot of the tries, of the 77 tries, uh, were just scored in that one game. It felt like 77 tries were scored that night, honestly. But the Melbourne Storm, they know how to score points, so that is definitely going to be handy against the Seagulls who they're able to do the same, but it's so concerning their record up against top eight sides. Looking at another stat, Ryan Pappenhausen with 12 of the Storm's 77 tries this year and Xavier Coates with 11. So Ryan Pappenhausen, their top try scorer, back in the mix again tonight. And he is my point of difference. Each week going into a game, I name a point of difference for this one. I have gone Ryan Pappenhausen. I definitely think he's going to be something that can turn the game on its head. And hopefully he gets through the game unscathed as well. 
Manly, look, I think they are a very real chance here. And eventually I'm going to go, you know, against them and they will beat a top eight side. But as I've spoken about before, I just cannot trust them until I have seen them beat a top eight side. And I have not been convinced. The Cowboys thing was really alarming. Like it's, they're either going to respond here or I, I don't know where they can go from here. But their record against top eight sides suggests to me that they will not play finals this year. So a must-win game for Manly. They are a chance, but I cannot trust them. I can trust the Melbourne Storm, not just for this year, but for many, many years. Every year I've ever watched. So I can definitely trust their consistency, their systems, and their processes. And I think ultimately the Storm will be able to edge it out. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I definitely think that the Melbourne Storm are going to find a way. Ryan Pappenhausen back in the mix, definitely going to help with that as well. And I like Brandon Smith at 13. He could potentially be a game breaker in the middle there. And so that is why I'm going to go the Melbourne Storm. They're just navigating through this origin period, and then they are going to be making their premiership push. So they're going to be in for a big performance. Manly are going to be desperate. So the Storm have got to make sure that they are on here. But I'm going with the Storm just down to their consistency. They sit second on the ladder. And I very rarely go against them unless it's the Penrith Panthers or something of the like. So I have full confidence that the Storm can get this done. Won't be shocked if the Manly Seagulls are able to edge them out. Just given the history that we have seen with the Seagulls and the Storm but ultimately taking the Melbourne Storm. I think they're going to grind out a great performance throughout the full 80. Maybe they'll be a bit tired and a bit flat at the start, given that they've got quite a number of players backing up. But I think ultimately the Storm, they're going to hit their straps. Maybe in this like 30th, 40th minute, they'll start to get things going. And then I think they'll be able to edge out a close victory away from home so taking the melbourne storm and for an anytime try scorer ryan pappenhausen so i like the value there and i'm going to be taking pappy as an anytime try scorer and let's not forget another potential option as well on the wing who i may dabble on grant anderson who knows how to score a try good young kid and a couple of weeks ago if you listened to my nrl power podcast you would have heard grant anderson on debut as well, he was nominated for the Not Just a Sports Report Rising Star Award. Might be a bit tricky for him to work his way into the top four, which will be voted on at the end of the year to determine who the rising star is. But as it stands, Grant Anderson, one of the nominations, and at the moment, the top four, Selwyn Cobbo, Taylor May, Isaac Tago, and Jeremiah Nanai. So some very, very quality young rising stars in contention but taking the storm over the manly seagulls now let's move on to the friday action up first to kick off the freaking weekend it's the early friday game newcastle knights hosting the gold coast titans in my notes in front of me i've got titans 2022 wtf shocking defense knights marginally better Loyal home fans, though, and this one is being played in Newcastle. I definitely think that's going to play its part. And Gold Coast Titans, they definitely, I, I guess both sides even, over the buy round, their coaches would have gone back to the drawing board and tried to work out what's gone wrong this season. So Knights marginally better. Titans have been shocking. 
Looking at the ladder, Knights are 12th, so I would say, in my opinion, looking at the ladder and judging on what I've seen in the first 15 rounds of the competition, Knights are out of the finals race. They're not in the wooden spoon race, they're kind of stuck in purgatory, so that's definitely interesting. Knights sit 12th, and they've got five years to really build something special and win a premiership. They can build around Kaelin Ponga, who they've signed for five years, and we can see at Queensland origin level what he is capable of. I definitely think they've got to put some extra pieces in there. They've got some good ones, like Bradman Best is one that instantly comes to mind, the Saifidi twins, but look, they're going to need a bit of an edge. But what I do like from the Knights is that next season they have signed Adam Elliott and Jack Hetherington. And look, it's not going to fix all their problems, but I do think they were missing a real edge in terms of their middle forwards. So Jack Hetherington and Adam Elliott, both massive signings for Newcastle. And I'm interested whether they sign Anthony Milford. I thought he was off to the Dolphins, supposedly has a handshake agreement. So I do still believe he'll be off to the Dolphins, but will the Newcastle Knights try and make a play? Supposedly they are. They're gonna offer uh, a couple of years as opposed to the Dolphins one year offer. So Newcastle could definitely keep Anthony Milford I think that would be a good call. I'd play him at 5'8". And look, they they see Jake Clifford as their long-term halfback. So I'm a bit surprised. Like, I know his form has been down this year. But Milford and Clifford, those are two parts of the puzzle. But we'll have to see long-term how the Knights decide to play this one. As for the Gold Coast Titans, they sit in last place. Currently favoured to win the Wooden Spoon. Not really on track in terms of their new goal of two premierships by 2030. Maybe two wooden spoons by 2030. More realistic. Currently riding five consecutive losses into this one. And the Gold Coast Titans here is a full-on shit stat for you. Ten losses in their last 11 games. So Gold Coast Titans going worse than I actually even thought they were. The losing 10 of their last 11 kind of slipped by me. That... That's not good, is it? No wonder they sit last. Now, after the rep round, they've had a chance to refresh and reset. Will we see a better Gold Coast Titans this time around? Well, they've got David Fafita back, so that is a big point as well. He was one of their huge signings. Tino Fasua Malawi has definitely been living up to the kind of marquee player status, but David Fafita, it's been a bit of a head scratcher, and when he's on, he is on, but... I don't know. It's a head scratcher, the David Fafita situation. So I'm hoping he comes back and we start to see him play his best footy again. But at the moment, God Coast Titans, they are just trying to get off the bottom of the ladder and avoid picking up that dreaded wooden spoon. Looking at this game as well, Kalen Ponga is out. He's been having concussion issues, so that that's definitely unfortunate. But I think it's best to just take caution with those kind of things. And another theme for two sides who are now out of the finals race, their halfbacks from last year, gone. No Mitchell Pierce for the Newcastle Knights. And I spoke about this at length in the preseason when I did my season preview podcasts for the, or for each team, my apologies. Um, and I went through the Newcastle Knights and I talked about what many people were talking about, the no Mitchell Pierce situation with him going over to Catalans in the English Super League. And we've, we've seen them struggle. It's been a big loss for them. Same can be said for the Gold Coast Titans. No Jamal Fogarty, no finals. So yeah, definitely the experienced halfback 
theory coming into play. Looking at the team news for this one, as I mentioned, Kalen Ponga out. Tex Hoy comes in at fullback. Word is that he is off to Hull FC in the Super League to get some more game time. I think that's a good move for him. Step it up. Like, you don't want to be playing New South Wales Cup and then, like, little bits of NRL. I think he'd be better off week in, week out playing in the Super League. So I think that's a great signing. And supposedly Tex Hoy has an NRL clause in his contract. So if another side comes along and says, hey, we'll give you a deal, then he'll explore that. So very interesting because... I did talk about how maybe the Panthers were going to try and bring back Tyrone May next year. Well, that has since... That was a shit tip from me, basically. Uh, Tyrone May has extended with the Catalans Dragons for a further season. And there was talk at the start of this year that the Panthers were looking at Tex Hoy maybe as a bench utility option. So maybe, just maybe, the Panthers might make a play for Tex Hoy at a minimum kind of wage price tag, although there are a lot of fullbacks in front of him. Maybe they'd be playing him as a 5'8", but yeah, we'll see if he ends up getting an NRL deal. Otherwise, it looks like Tex Hoy off to Hull FC, but he will be playing fullback for the Knights this weekend. We see on the extended bench for Newcastle, Daniel Saifidi and Bradman Best. So they haven't been named in the 17, but we'll have to watch and monitor whether they come into the game day side. And it's going to be a five-day turnaround for Dane Gagai. He is going to be wanting to bounce back. I think he'll have a good showing. Hopefully, given he's a little bit older now. And I mean, I can, I've never played State of Origin. So I've played footy, but I've never played State of Origin. So I was kind of thinking, you know, uh, not everyone's a drinker. But when you're young, you know, you go out, have a few drinks, piece of piss. A little bit hungover the next day. Whatever. Um, but then you get a little bit older and, you know, you have that same big session and you wake up and it's just like oh my god I'm so sore and like oh what the fuck so potentially I mean that's a pretty poor analogy but for Dane Gagai he's played a very intense origin series when he was a bit younger maybe the body bounced back a little bit quicker now maybe a little bit more sore after those intense games eight missed tackles as well but I think we'll see Dane Gagai put in a great bounce back performance in this one as I mentioned, David Fafida returns on the bench for the Gold Coast Titans. Tino Fasua Malahawe and Moake Fodawaka bocking, bocking up. That's a new one. Keep that one in there. Keeping some silly ones in there today. Why not? Why not? Uh, Mo Fodawaka, he is backing up or bocking up, whatever, whatever you prefer. But I thought bocking up, if I left that, people might be confused. I guess, no, you would understand bocking up. Anyway, Paul Turner, 5'8". He was my one to watch for the Gold Coast Titans going into this season. I was sad the Warriors lost him. Glad to see that the Titans are persisting with him in the 6th jersey. That sees AJ Brimson in the fullback jersey. My key battle for this game is the halves, or are the halves. You've got Anthony Milford and Adam Clune up against Paul Turner and Toby Sexton. Clune, a more experienced halfback who... He's looking to make himself a regular starter in the seven jersey this year. That's why he moved from the Dragons. And he's had time to develop, gain some experience up against Toby Sexton, who that's kind of been something where the Titans have been exploited. Toby Sexton, I have no doubt he's going to be the long-term halfback for the club. But yeah, it's definitely been an area where they've struggled, not all down to the young halfback either. But the Jamal Fogarty loss, 
proving to be a big one. So the halfback's definitely going to be a big battle. And the 5'8s, Paul Turner up against Anthony Milford. They are more the ball runners, the flashy X-Factor kind of style. So both halves are going to have to work together for each side to try and get things going. So really excited. That is my key battle for the early Friday night. And point of difference, Greg Marziu on the wing for the Titans. He is such a meter maker, gets out of his own end, can score a try too. I think Greg Marziu is going to be a big point of difference in terms of just making meters and starting the Gold Coast sets in style. But it's how they keep their sets going and whether they can complete them and the like that is going to be a massive indicator as to whether the Titans can actually win this game, which... I guess the Knights the Knights are beatable, but definitely at home. The Newcastle at home advantage is absolutely a factor in this one. And in my opinion, the Titans are an absolute shell of the 2021 side. Very disappointed for them. And for the Knights, as I've mentioned, they have the home ground advantage. So I'm going to be taking the Newcastle Knights, I think, in what will be a close one to get the things started. Can't even speak English once again. Uh, I think the fans are going to lift Newcastle. I think they'll be making some noise and that's going to be enough to give Newcastle just that little bit extra to get over the line. So I'm going to be taking Newcastle Knights over the Titans and that would keep Titans on the bottom of the ladder. So, anyway, Knights over Titans. Let's move on now to the Friday night game. And this one is definitely one that piques interest given that you have a side in the Penrith Panthers, the home side in front of their crowd who have a great energy about them. The reigning premiers who look destined at the moment to go back to back if all things go well, who definitely, you know, they're living up to the lofty expectations up against the Sydney Roosters. Kind of the opposite. They were the last side in one of the few sides in a or the only side really in a long long time that managed back-to-backs in the NRL modern era you have the Sydney Roosters who not going as great as people hoped myself included they were my premiership pick pre-season so this I definitely didn't see coming you have the Panthers in first place they are having a dynasty at the moment it seems like they're building toward that at least something very very special they are the new powerhouse of the competition and when i compare them to uh, my afl side in the afl obviously uh, the melbourne demons they won the premiership last year were awesome had an undefeated start this year but there's been some incidents players punching on and the like so like that kind of spoke to me like i was like okay it is very hard because I support the Warriors and the Demons had been shot for the longest time. And in the Rugby Union, I go for Auckland Blues, who are only just coming good now. So I don't really know what it's like to support a great side other than the All Blacks and the Queensland Maroons. But for this, I was just looking at the Demons and thinking like, okay, it's actually really, really hard to keep the egos in check, you know, keep the powerhouse moving. And then I was like, wow, well, the Penrith Panthers, they've done just that. They're all playing for each other. They are playing for their area. And they're pretty much all local juniors. So the Panthers, what they've built is phenomenal. Like, I cannot speak highly enough of what the Penrith Panthers are doing. You've got Nathan Cleary, who it's his side. He is leading this era as the captain alongside Isaiah Yo. And this year, it shapes as a great year 
to pick up another premiership, given that Api Kurosawa and Viliami kick out, leaving the club next year. That will see Mitch Kenny step up. He will become the number nine. And we've also got Luke Garner, who is signing from the Good West Tigers, the Gold Coast Tigers. Far out. What is going on today? I've been up since 4am. I've been doing 5am shifts, so maybe that's why. But Luke Garner from the Tigers, he has signed to the Panthers for next season. And Sunia Taruva on the weekend, playing for Fiji at fullback. He's been killing it in the New South Wales Cup. He absolutely smashed it on the weekend. A lot of talk about him, and he signed with the Panthers for a couple of years. He's played at centre as well a couple of times last year for the Panthers, so I think maybe we see him make his debut this year in the centres or on the wing. That is my hot tip. And Dylan Edwards in career best form. That kind of sees Charlie Staines on the outer. Maybe he goes to the Bulldogs, although probably better suited staying at the Panthers because I think Bulldogs may have their number one in Jake Avarillo. So Tigers could be an option, but again, Dane Laurie. So Charlie Staines, interested to see where he ends up landing. Dolphins could be another potential spot, um, but it seems like Charlie Staines may be on the outer. As for the Sydney Roosters, are they going to miss the eight? Like, surely not, but it has been a very underwhelming season, and it can't be understated the losses of Boyd Cordner, Jake Friend. Jake Friend is a really, really big one that doesn't get spoken about enough. He was so so important and crucial in the middle. He was like that defensive rock and the glue that kept the whole side together defensively, which was the Roosters' strength. It was always their defense. So Jake Friend, Boyd Cordner, huge losses. Mitch Orbison, you want to talk about a huge loss? Mitch Orbison, you can just play him wherever you need him and he'll get the job done. He has now retired in the last couple of years. Isaac Liu, a longtime member of the squad, Big contributor in the middle as well. He's gone to the Gold Coast Titans. Craig Fitzgibbon, a very long-time contributor, premiership player, and an assistant coach for a long time now. He went off to the Sharks. That is another loss. The Morris Twins, again, like these are really, really significant losses. And Luke Carey, who, look, I don't want to get too negative, but there is a bit of talk that around Luke Carey's future, so... I'll leave that there for the minute. But the Roosters, they are building a new era. They've got guys like Joseph Suwali and Sam Walker already experiencing first grade. They've got a few under-19s origin stars as well. They are top of the jersey flag under-21s, I think, ladder. So their youngsters are top of the crop when it comes to New South Wales footy. So very exciting for the Roosters. But toughest assignment possible this weekend up against the Panthers, who are surging. They are in first place with only one loss this season. So Roosters could not ask for a harder game when it comes to having to actually get their top eight run going. So Roosters, a lot of question marks surrounding them. I think they'll go a lot better when they get Brandon Smith in next year. But still, Roosters, they, they would be shocked themselves to be sitting where they are in ninth place. Looking at the team news... For the Panthers, 14 of their 17 were involved in representative round. And then you throw in Sunia Taruva and Charlie Staines as well. So everyone in the representative arena looking at the Penrith Panthers and how can you blame them? Luke Carey, he's been rested. That is a major, major talking point for me. We see Sam Walker move to halfback, Drew Hutchison into 5'8". 
and Victor Radley makes his return. Not going to talk about the origin mishap on camera. Um, yeah, that is fucking like such a non-story. Honestly, yeah, it was stupid, but there's so much other shit going on in the world that people could be outraged by, and it's like, honestly, fucking in the grand scheme, that is so insignificant. So that is my take on the Victor Radley incident on the cameras for Origin. If you missed it, honestly, don't worry. It really wasn't that big of a deal. So we're seeing some Origin stars back up, of course, as well. James Tedesco, namely the New South Wales Blues captain and Sydney Roosters captain. Roosters riding three straight losses into this one as well. So if they lose here, four straight losses, definitely the form that you want to avoid when you're trying to get into the finals race. Panthers, 14 wins from 15 attempts this year, and I can't see the Roosters stopping them, funnily enough. I actually tipped the Roosters earlier this year when they played each other, and I was disappointed, as I have been. It seems to be the common theme with the Roosters this year. That is why they are sitting in ninth place, while the Panthers, they are poised to defend their premiership in style as it stands. Their production line is so incredible. We've seen the fruits of that over the last decade. I know in the last three years, we're really starting to see it click into gear. Um, but it's been exciting to see it from, you know, the ground level up and where the Panthers were and where they are now. So really, really exciting times. Panthers fans would be stoked. And Cameron Seraldo staying put. He is going to stay at the Panthers for at least another further season. That is the best possible move, in my opinion. All the, uh, all the clubs that were after coaches have had a long-standing kind of common theme again of sacking their coaches in recent times and being a bit of a basket case. So I think Seraldo definitely making the right move to stick with the Panthers. And my other talking point, Joey Manu. He proved in that New Zealand Kiwis game he's ready to be a million-dollar man. The Sydney Roosters aren't going to be able to give him that and look, I know he signed with them for, I'm not sure exactly how long, but he did recently re-sign with them. But Joey Manu, like, I think next time his contract is up, he's got to go and become a million dollar man. Like, he's got to be playing fullback. He knows better than me. Like, I'm not saying he's got to, but surely. Like, he's so damn good in the fullback position. James Tedesco in front of him. And for the Roosters, eventually Joseph Suwali looks like He'll be their number one. So Joey Manu, I would love to see him have a crack in the number one jersey full-time at NRL level. Club's definitely going to be lining up for him. And if Christchurch in New Zealand get their rumoured uh, 18th NRL team in the next few years, well, Joey Manu, wouldn't he be a sensational marquee player? Obviously, we've got to wonder whether he actually wants to leave Australia. Maybe he doesn't want to go back and live in Christchurch or live in New Zealand, but like that could be a huge marquee signing and that would really move the needle. So definitely a watch this space, Joey Manu. Will he eventually play fullback somewhere? In my opinion, it would be a shame if he didn't. Roosters fans though, they would be more than happy to utilize him wherever they can. And if Luke Carey does, you know, if he's winding down in his career, Joey Manu, maybe they move him to 5'8 full time. So very interested. Or Tedesco to 5'8". So yeah, the Roosters definitely could find a way to keep all of them. But Joey Manu, if he keeps just playing right centre, 
I think it would be a shame. He's too damn good. I'd love to see him utilized to the absolute maximum. So I think Joey Manu eventually needs to become a million dollar man and you need his hands on the ball as much as possible. Jumping on to my key battle now, I have gone with the back threes. For the Panthers, like obviously I spoke about New South Wales and their back three, all of them featuring in this game for the Roosters, Tedesco and Daniel Tupo. And for the Panthers, had to think about that one, Brian Toto. So the back three is going to be really, really important for Penrith, Toto, Dylan Edwards and Taylan May. And for the Roosters, Tupo, Tedesco and Suwali. So I'm really excited to see the back threes in action. Really, really excited for Dylan Edwards up against Tedesco as well. Because Dylan Edwards very unlucky to be stuck behind someone like Tedesco because he is killing it. And very may, like, if Tedesco was injured and Pappy was out, Dylan Edwards, I think, could have deserved a shot at fullback for the New South Wales Blues. So he is an absolute gun. Cannot speak highly enough about Dylan Edwards. And my point of difference in this game... I've gone with Nathan Cleary, Isaiah Yo, and Jerome Luai. Their link in attack, their contribution in defense, and just the team around them as well. Cleary, Isaiah Yo, and Jerome Luai. I think they're going to combine to really create some headaches for the Roosters. They're going to be too good. That's just my opinion, but I, I can't go against the Panthers here. So taking the Penrith Panthers over the Sydney Roosters. Alrighty, let's get on to the Super Saturday action now. I was just thinking about Matt Shervington when he covered Super Saturday. That, that was a vibe. Matt Shervington, Shervo. Where is Shervo? Uh, if he doesn't have a gig, I can't pay him, but I would, I would definitely get Shervo on for some content. But yeah, moving on from Shervo and on to the Super Saturday action, we have the Bulldogs who, ahead of the uh, rep round, they were killing it. Two huge wins for them. They are hosting the Sharks who are right in the race for the top four. Unfortunately for the Bulldogs, Mick Potter, he has been ruled out with COVID. Now, he's not playing. He was an awesome player for the Bulldogs with Deliam winner. Um, but he won't be coaching them this weekend. Either David Ferner or Craig Sandercock will be taking over. But Mick Potter, talk, maybe he gets the role as the full-time coach. That's definitely a watch this space. If they keep going the way they are... Wow. I mean, yeah, it'll be interesting. There have been examples, like, again, not the same sports, but I go back to AFL. Um, a couple of years ago, Carlton, the Carlton Blues, had a similar situation. Their caretaker coach took over, did an awesome job. They signed him, and it didn't quite work out. But different sports, different men, and I would be happy to see Mick Potter get a go, but we'll see how the Bulldogs go for the rest of the season. Dogs, two straight wins before rep round. The Avarillo switch to fullback. That has been the biggest game changer in the Bulldogs season. Mick Potter was the one who decided to make that move as well. So definitely something in Potter's case. And Matt Burton, talk around his future, given that he will he signed to play under Trent Barrett. Trent Barrett no longer coaching the club. And Matt Burton, at the very bare minimum, he needs to know who's going to be the coach going forward before he makes his big decision because every club's going to be after him. So... Like, even the Panthers will probably be like, do you want to just come back and uh, play in the centres? But every club will be after Matt Burton. It's going to be a matter of who can come up with the money. And Dogs a great chance of keeping him, but they need to show him a way forward and what the future looks like next three to five years. 
As for the Sharks, well, they have major top four and premiership aspirations. They are sitting in fourth position as it stands. I've been a huge fan of their form this season. They've exceeded my expectations. I thought they were going to go really well long-term under Craig Fitzgibbon, but they're just fast-tracking it. They are going so well this season. They are killing it. Fourth position. Wade Graham, his future's been talked about this week. Looks like he may re-sign for one further year, um, but he has his eye on going over to France and playing looking like maybe the Catalans Dragons. So whether that's next year or the year after, that looks like that's going to happen. But Wade Graham, definitely a huge part of this squad. Obviously, he's the captain. So leading this side this weekend. For the Dogs, they sit in 13th place. They were dead last, and the last couple of weeks have totally changed things. Now they're in 13th, starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And Josh Adokai, he's playing Origin-like form, Hasn't been selected, but he has been living up to his marquee price tag. Also, I was listening to Six Tackles with Gus, Phil Gould, and he briefly dropped, like, really quickly, but didn't get into it at all, that the Bulldogs were talking to a rugby union player, or that he was talking to a rugby union player, but presumably that would be on the Bulldogs' behalf, right? So that is a definitely... An interesting watch this space, whether that's a young up-and-coming rugby union kid, we don't know, or whether that's an established star. Maybe Marika Korobedi, I mean, I don't know what their contract situations are like, but there are a number of potential guys that they could be going for, so that was something that interested me. Tom Wright, who plays for the Wallabies, could be an option. Is it an Australian player? You'd have to suggest it is, but... Maybe it's a player from somewhere else and they could really be about to pull a bit of a Swifty here. I mean, if it's even if it's a Kiwi player. So really interested as to who the Bulldogs are looking at in Rugby Union and whether that is something that should be reported on and talked about or whether I'm just making a big deal out of nothing. But definitely a watch this space. Now, for my point of difference, I've gone with Seaford Talakai in this game. We've seen him tear sides apart before. He is going to be up against young Jacob Kiraz, who has been killing it in his own right. But Sifa Talakai, he's going to want to hold on to that Origin jersey. A bit of talk that if someone is going to make way for another player like Jack Whiten, that it would be Sifa Talakai. So I think he's going to want to silence a lot of the doubters and say to Freddie Fittler, like, hey, you know, why? Why drop? If it ain't broken, don't fix it. They absolutely smashed Queensland. I know by the t- when it was over, that was when Talakai came onto the field. But in this game, at NRL level, I think Sifa Talakai, a massive point of difference in what could be a bit of a close game, given how the Dogs have been playing as of late. My MVP, most valuable player, uh, Nico Hines. For the Dogs, Matt Burton. For the Sharks, Nico Hines. And my key battle, Josh Adokar up against Sione Katoa. I'd say one of them is going to score a double. And yeah, there's going to be some tries scored. Those two very, very notable try scorers. Josh Adokar head-to-head with Sione Katoa. Really keen to see that one go down. And I'm hoping to see some more good signs from the Dogs. That would be awesome. But I'm going to predict the Sharks here. I think Cronulla have more to play for. They're trying to protect their position in the top uh, four. They're in the top eight. They're entrenched in the top eight. But they are trying to work their way into the top four. And yeah, if they get a week, uh, win in week one of the finals from the top four, all of a sudden, like maybe we're not thinking deeply about it now, but all of a sudden at that point, 
people would be blowing up like, holy shit, these guys may very well be premiership contenders. We have our dark horses, I think. Like, I know the Cowboys and Broncos are going awesome, but Sharks could be the real dark horse in this finals race, judging on the first 15 rounds. So I'm going with Cronulla Sharks, hoping the Dogs can make it a really quality game. But as I said, I just think Sharks have a little bit more to play for. So taking Cronulla over the Dogs. Now on to our second game of Super Saturday. This is the game of the round. Really pumped for this one. It is the 4X Derby in Townsville as the Cowboys host the Broncos. This, as I said, game of the round. We just know this is going to deliver an absolute classic. Now, last time they met North Queensland, there was this far out, having fucking like an aneurysm or some shit. Uh, North Queensland won 38 to 12. And that was this year at Suncorp Stadium. Day conditions, but the conditions in Townsville, very humid. I think that's going to favor the Cowboys again, although Broncos should adjust to it. But 38 to 12 last time out in favor of the Cowboys. That's definitely something to note. Uh, another one is in this game, Selwyn Cobo and Katoni Staggs up against Valentine Holmes and Murray Taolungi. That is a battle that I am really, really looking forward to. My key battle though, the halfbacks, both of them the captains of their side, Chad Townsend up against the returning Adam Reynolds. Both of them could very well be in contention for a nomination alongside Nathan Cleary for the Deli M halfback of the year. And Chad Townsend and Adam Reynolds, they've kind of mirrored each other. Whilst playing very different games, they've come to struggling Queensland sides from Sydney sides as premiership winning halfbacks and they've been able to move the needle. So my key battle in this one, Chad Townsend up against the returning Adam Reynolds. And also a big note here, Luciano Leilua signing from the West Tigers. He will be making his debut for the Cowboys in this game. Checking out the ladder, Cowboys sit in third place whilst the Broncos are fifth. So major top four implications in this one. Broncos will definitely want to get the wood over the little brother in the North Queensland Cowboys. But Cowboys, they'll want to go two from two this season. They definitely look like a top four side. And Broncos do as well. But this, this could be a major game that decides it and the trajectory for the rest of their season. So I could not be more excited for this one. Cowboys in third, hosting the Broncos in fifth place. High flyers and massive improvers this year. And the winners can definitely start to work their way toward finals and then you start thinking about a premiership. But Cowboys specifically, after that Manly Seagulls win, I was just like, wow. I, I really saw something there. I saw something click. And now I think they truly believe that they can do it. So really excited for this one on Saturday afternoon slash evening. Looking at the teams, Valentine Holmes, Murray Taolongi, Jeremiah Nanai, and Jason Taumalolo backing up from representative round. And Luciano Leilua on the bench. He will be playing his 100th NRL game, first for the Cowboys. So, milestone man in his debut for the Cowboys. For the Broncos, Adam Reynolds, the captain, the X-Factor player. He is back. Really excited to see him partner with Ezra Mam in the halves. Payne Haas has been named, even though he's had an ankle complaint throughout the week. So, interesting to see whether he plays this weekend. Patrick Carrigan, Kurt Capewell, Selwyn Cobo, Katoni Staggs, and Keenan Palacia will all back up this weekend for the Broncos after playing in rep rounds. So I think by that stage on the Saturday, it will have been about a week. So 
the backing up by this stage won't be as big a deal as it would be, say, on the Thursday night. But yeah, some players still backing up from some very physical contests. Looking at the Cowboys' last game, they won against the Manly Seagulls, scored those three crazy tries in under 10 minutes. And as I said, I saw something click. Nine wins in their last 10, with their only loss being to the Penrith Panthers. And yeah, the Cowboys, I am just so, so excited about their prospects this season and most definitely beyond under Todd Payton. Whilst the Broncos, last time out, they gave a great account of themselves, really pushed the storm, storm, that works, the Melbourne storm, and didn't end up getting the results, but I saw a lot from the Broncos up against the storm in Melbourne. That was a seven-game winning streak ended, but they are going to want it to get back to winning ways here, and they are every chance of doing so with a top four spot on the line. So couldn't ask for a better game in the Not Just a Sports Report game of the round, 4X Queensland Derby. Both sides, after once Origin's done, then they start to really set themselves for a premiership push. Todd Payton leading the Cowboys phenomenally, whilst Kevin Walters, like Peyton at the end of the year, and Craig Fitzgibbon, a lot of these guys are going to be in the running for the coach of the year. So this is going to be a great game, great coaches, and keep an eye on Corey Oates, who is gunning to get back into that Queensland origin side. His form for the Broncos this year has warranted it, and he is going to be in for a really big game. Another player that I think is in for a big game, my point of difference for the Cowboys, that is the fullback Scott Drinkwater. I, I just, I feel something special coming in this one, whether that's a couple of try assists or whether he gets over for a try, does some great defensive work as well. I'm feeling a big game from Scott Drinkwater. So he is my point of difference. Awesome games between these sides historically, including that crazy grand final in 2015. Jonathan Thurston, Nailing that field goal. Obviously, Kyle Felt with the try after the siren. Michael Morgan, the one who got that going. Um, ben Hunt and the knock-on. That that grand final. And then some of the games they were playing immediately after that. Like, And they even played, I think, a quarter-final game. That final series in 2015 where they played each other. And that was an amazing game. So uh, this is the game of the round. This is going to be another amazing game. I have no doubt about that. And I'm going to take the North Queensland Cowboys. I fully believe in both sides. They've won me over. But I have a lot of belief in the Cowboys. I think Todd Payton is the right coach. And I, I, this one's a really tough one. Derbies are always hard to predict, no matter where they are on the ladder. But both of these sides in amazing form. I'm taking North Queensland, though. Can't wait to sit down and watch it. Cause the Broncos have threats all around the park. But... I'm going to take North Queensland Cowboys, I think, ever so slightly, given that they are playing in Townsville. A lot of sides have struggled in Townsville up against them this year. And whilst the Broncos will be probably better suited than any other side to come to Townsville and get the job done in those conditions, I just think, yeah, there's a, there's a few just small factors, like my point of difference, Scott Drinkwater, the halves did in Townsend, Tal Malolo, Reese Robson, uh, Todd Payton, home crowd, just those little kind of things that I'm in a very tight one leaning me toward Cowboys. So I think North Queensland are going to finish this year. I think they can finish in third. I really do. So I'm taking the North Queensland Cowboys over the Broncos here. All right, three games to go. Uh, 
not not heaps in the notes as well. So we'll get through this fairly quickly. We've got the Saturday night fixture, the Rabbitohs hosting the Eels. Fucking hell, who knows how this one's going to go. Eels in sixth place, Rabbitohs in seventh. So this one does have a big bearing on where the sides finish. Eels four points in front of the Rabbitohs as well. So this is crucial for the Rabbits. If they lose this, then they kind of float around as the most likely side to drop out and lose their spot alongside the Dragons. Roosters in ninth as well. A bit concerning, but Rabbitohs, they need to steady the ship badly and get a win here. Eels need to do the same because they've had some great wins, including their last time out against the Roosters, but they have majorly lacked consistency. We know they're going to be contenders come the end of the season, but if they can't get their consistency together, how are they going to get three to four weeks of the final series together to actually get that consistency and win the Premiership? So very interested going forward in both of these sides' prospects, given that the Rabbitohs obviously runners-up last season. Looking at the teams, Latrell Mitchell makes his long-awaited return. That is a major boost for the Bunnies, and he's already being talked about in the Origin Arena, so getting him back in there, that tells you exactly how big of a boost this is for the Rabbitohs, and Latrell is a major key to their finals push. So he couldn't come back at a better time and supposedly fitter than ever. So that is a big in for the Rabbitohs. That moves Cody Nikarima to the bench and Blake Taff drops out of the side. For the Eels, it is the same 17 that got the job done against the Chooks. If it ain't broken, don't fix it. Talking points for this one, Latrell Mitchell back. As I mentioned, he's the major key. Damian Cook, Cody Walker, Cam Murray, they can't do it alone. And Latrell Mitchell, he has that spark. He has that X factor. And if he is fitter than ever, then this is a major, major turning point for the Rabbitohs season. So hoping that Latrell at fullback, and I think with his ball skills, that this will make a massive difference because the cohesion within their backline has been off this year comparatively to the last five, ten years. So... The Bunnies have been needing Luttrell at the back to just organise, get things going again in both attack and defence, and it's it's a huge boost for the Rabbitohs. Both sides have been majorly inconsistent this year. They could be pushing for the top four, but it's been their inconsistency that has really hurt them and left them, especially the Rabbitohs, vulnerable to potentially falling out of the eight. So that makes this game a really big one. Major ladder implications, especially for the Bunnies, who are teetering on the edge. You don't, you don't want to leave it too long. And they did get beaten comprehensively last time out by the Dragons, who are now in 8th place. So that was a real turning doors moment. And if the Roosters can get their shit together, if the Seagulls can get their shit together, and if the Raiders can get their shit together, then all of a sudden, if Bunnies lose this one... Oh, yeah, one of those one of those operations. So bunnies, no doubt, they need to get it together here. My key battle is gonna be in the middle. You've got like guys like Cam Murray, Mark Nichols, Tavita Tola for the Rabbitohs, up against the stars for the Eels, Regan Campbell Gillard, Junior Paolo, and of course Ryan Madison, who is killing it this year, has been playing really well for a long time now, but has gone to another level in the middle this year and re-signed with Parramatta as well. So I think looking at that, you'd have to give the edge to Parramatta when it comes to that key battle. That could really sway me in terms of my tip. My point of difference, 
Mitch Moses. He is a halfback who's playing as good as any in the competition up against Lachlan Ilias, who is still definitely developing, not not as experienced, doesn't have that game maturity that Mitch Moses has. So that makes Mitch Moses a massive point of difference. In my opinion, it's really hard to trust either side. And that's why I'm going the Rabbitohs. I've gone, you know, I think in the middle, it seems like Parramatta will have the edge. I had Mitch Moses as a point of difference. Mike Acevo back. Uh, Reed Marnie. And that's kind of like just judging on how these sides go. I'm like, okay, Eels look pretty good in this one. I'm going to go the Rabbitohs. Yeah, both sides inconsistent. So a bit of reverse psychology here. I'm going to take the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Let's see how this one goes. I was very disappointed by their showing up against the Dragons, but Latrell Mitchell, really big in. Eels, they've been searching for consistency. Let's see. Let's see. I'm going the Rabbitohs. Reverse psychology pick, South Sydney Rabbitohs over the Eels. Now let's get to the real shit. Yes, these sides may be trying to avoid the wooden spoon, but on Sunday... This game is taking place at Mount Smart Stadium, Auckland, New Zealand, in front of a sold-out crowd. I am stoked. This has been a hell of a long time coming. And look, I grew up in New Zealand, in Auckland. I went to Mount Smart Stadium. When I played rugby league, the Warriors were the side I watched. They were the guys I looked up to. And we've never won a premiership. We have loyal fans. And we're based in New Zealand. We travel over. And yeah, like Mount Smart, it's a special place and it has sucked not seeing them play at Mount Smart for so long and massive respect to, was it Albury? Uh, I'm trying to work out exactly where it was. I believe it was Albury at first and then Redcliffe. So massive respect to the communities that did take the Warriors in. It is no slate on them at all because without them, I mean, they gave the Warriors a home. So thank you to everyone involved in that. But the Warriors have sacrificed so much to keep the competition going. In round one, 2020, they traveled over to Newcastle. They lost. I was disappointed as hell in their performance. But then with COVID and implications, they had to stay. They had to stay from round one. They flew over there believing that they were just going to fly home and yeah, they got stuck over there. And they've been back on like holiday and stuff, but you know, it, it's been a hell of a long time. Think about everything that's happened from around March, 2020 up until July, 2022. So a lot's happened. And all that time they have been away from home, away from Auckland, their base, the fans have been without their team over there in New Zealand, the players, They've been away from family at certain points and the family that have come over, like we're talking kids moving to new schools twice, like in New South Wales, then in Queensland and just so much, like so much. And it would be really interesting eventually if they made some kind of, I don't know, like doc, doco series or just spoke to the players. Cause I'm sure it, it would be really interesting if we actually heard some of the stories that happened. Obviously, Roger Tuivasa-Shek was a big one in 2020 where he was away from his child. And just the, the sacrifices have been incredible. So like the Warriors, I know that, yeah, we've been super, super underwhelming this year, but 
yeah, it was reflective because I have I have bagged them at times. No players individually, but just the club and being mediocre as a whole. But all that I'm willing to forget about now. And yeah, it's it's good to see the Warriors finally come home. It has been a long time coming. 1,038 days between games at Mount Smart Stadium. So it's, yeah, it's fucked. It's fucked. It's actually fucked. And they did it, and they kept the game going. And and now they get to be in New Zealand. And yeah, players. some players will stay in Australia or whatever after this season. They won't stay with the Warriors. But it doesn't matter. Now we have our base. Now we are in Auckland, New Zealand, and we can get back to it. So it feels fucking good. I cannot imagine how good it feels for the players themselves. And let's not forget the staff members. I don't know the specifics on what staff members were over there, but a lot of staff staying over as well in Australia, doing the same things as the players to keep the game going and to keep the Warriors as a club going. So huge respect to the staff who haven't been talked about enough when it comes to the sacrifice. And there's a lot more to life than footy. So for them to have all put their lives on hold for this long, been away from family and missed moments that honestly more important than a game of football, especially given, you know, the Warriors, we haven't made the eight in any of these years and a lot of the time not playing for points. So toward the back end of the season. So like they've missed some really significant life moments and time is more important than anything. Time is more important than football and they have had a lot of time taken away from them and yeah it's their life has become football that is what their life has become and it's nice for footy players to have a life outside of football as well which these guys haven't had but i think now the camaraderie is going to be there some of these guys have ridden through this the whole time alongside each other and i think ultimately this is going to be something that we look back and although the warriors are going poorly now I will say I wasn't overly impressed with Nathan Brown being appointed as the coach anyway, and greatest bloke, super great bloke, um, but just like I wasn't pumped for him to be the coach, so now we just need to get someone in there. I would like Michael Maguire, um, Shane Flanagan, those would be two I would definitely take on board, Christian Wolf already rejecting the Warriors' advances, uh, but much more to life than footy, as I mentioned now is a big turning point for the New Zealand Warriors. And another shout out to Ken Malmalo. Uh, actually, I was like slightly emotional. As emotional as you can get when reading a teamless Tuesday, I would say. Uh, seeing Ken Malmalo named for the Tigers, obviously remembering when he uh, played his last game up against the Storm and he was crying and he was leaving the Warriors. And at the first year, 2020, I believe he was one of the players who... Uh, ended up going home to New Zealand as well. And yeah, it's it's wild. Like Ken Marmalo, he came over game one or round one 2020 with the Warriors as a Kiwi, living in New Zealand, his home as a warrior, got stuck over there. The whole COVID pandemic, the Warriors have never come back to Auckland as a team since then. And Ken Marmalo now finds himself living in Sydney. So he never got to have the homecoming and the return. So shout out to Ken Mamalo. I'm glad he will be there for the Tigers. Hopefully he has a great game. Um, and yeah, like I'm, I'm so pumped for this one. For the Warriors, 
Key stat here, fourth coach since 2020. Stephen Kearney, Todd Payton, Nathan Brown, and now Stacey Jones. So a lot of guys at the helm in a short amount of time. They're going to be looking at a fifth coach in that time period pretty shortly as well. So Warriors consistently rolling through coaches. Next, like Nathan Brown, I like, like he was an okay short-term fix, but the Warriors need to move the needle. We need to pick someone and stick with them. And if it's Michael Maguire, I don't care if fucking like Buzz Rothfield is coming on 360 and calling, you know, Madge deplorable and saying the Warriors should go in a different direction. We need to pick someone and stick with them and give them time. And it has to be someone like a Michael Maguire or a Shane Flanagan who has a proven track record. And if it's a rookie coach, that's fine. I'm still confident with that, but we need to pick and stick with someone. So four coaches since 2020. It's been a hell of a long time. A lot has happened since round one, 2020. Even more has happened since the Warriors last played 1,038 days ago in Auckland. But it is a new chapter. It is now time to move forward. Warriors on a seven-game losing streak. So if they want to move forward, this is the best time to get that win. Because eight straight losses, then all of a sudden, that totally dampens the return. And I'm not expecting big things for the rest of the season, but this is the turning point. This is the new chapter. And it is finally, after a hell of a long time, time to move forward. Tigers, they're not much better than the Warriors who are on the seven-game losing streak. Wests with only one game, one in their last seven. Also, Termination Tuesday. Nathan Brown and Michael Maguire both getting sacked on the same day. Stacey Jones up against Brett Kamali here. With talk, potentially the Tigers are going to keep Brett Kamali as the coach beyond this year. They like his philosophies. We'll have to watch this space, but Brett Kamali up against Stacey Jones here. The other big contender for the Tigers job, John Morris, who I would definitely take at the Warriors. He's someone if the Warriors said, hey, come coach us. He's someone I'd definitely be happy to give him some time. But West Tigers, if they don't go with Kamali, then I do believe it looks like they are going to go with John Morris. And the Tigers halves, future up in the air. You've got Jackson Hastings, who if there's not a lot of clarity with what the Tigers are doing, he may very well move on elsewhere. You've got Luke Brooks, who I think it's best for all parties if he goes to another club. And Adam Dewey, who is off contract uh, come November 1st. He can talk to other sides. And that, that's definitely going to be a big one as well. So a lot of uh, question marks around the West Tigers and their halves. As for the Warriors, they sit in 15th place, Tigers in 14th. So this does have wooden spoon implications, unfortunately. Um, but... As I said, that there's more to life than footy. So conveniently, when my team is playing and they're 15th, but there is more to life than footy. And this is going to be my favorite game of the season. No doubt. I don't care if it's 15th versus 16th. Like, this is going to be my favorite game since 2019, since we fucking played in Auckland. Because, yeah, I mean, not, not a lot of great has happened other than when Todd Payton coached us. Did pick up Reese Walsh, he's awesome. Josh Curran's come along. Adam Fenua, Adam Fenua Blake? Uh, Adam Fenua Blake. And yeah, like, I like the Warriors. I love the Warriors. Fucking oath. Pumped about, pumped about it. 
Mount Smart Stadium. I'm honestly lost for words, but it's it's fucking awesome. Now, looking at the Warriors team, Reese Walsh was named at fullback, but he's since been ruled out with uh, COVID shenanigans. I, maybe he's got it or some kind of close contact. I don't know. I just know he's out. They haven't named a replacement fullback. Jesse Arthurs can play there. Chanel Harris-Tavita played there at the start of the year, but that was under Nathan Brown. Um, Dallin Wittenes and Lesniak can play fullback. They've got Pompey in the reserves, Rocco Berry, and Dejan Arce. So potentially Arce may come in and play fullback. And Freddie Lusick also re-signing with the Warriors for a further two seasons. So I'm not sure who they'll go with at fullback. On the wings, DWZ and Marcelo Montoya. In the centers, Jesse Arthurs and Ewan Aitken been playing in the back row all season under Nathan Brown. Stacey Jones has made the switch. Ewan Aitken, a natural center. Some question marks around whether he's got the passing game to be a center. Maybe that's why he was moved to the back row where he was awesome, but excited to see Ewan Aitken back in the centers this weekend. Ronald Volkerman plays his second game of NRL in the 5'8 jersey alongside Sean Johnson, who will get a major lift from coming home. Now he gets to reunite with his family. He has come home. There's plenty of familiar faces welcoming home, welcoming him home as well. And Sean Johnson, I think he's in for a big game here. AFB and Jazz Tavanga in the props position. Wade Egan in the dummy half. Just getting through this by the skin of my teeth. Jack Murchie, much improved this season in the back row, alongside the captain, Torhu Harris, and one of my favorite warriors, Josh Curran in the lock jersey. Chanel, Janelle, Chanel Harris-Tavita in the number 14, Bunty Afoa, one of my favorite warriors, Iliasia Katoa, and Bailey Sirinin. As for the Tigers, um, they've got a few changes under Brett Kamali. James Roberts back from back surgery, Ouch, like, oh, back problems fucking suck. So hopefully James Roberts good to go. Brett Morley's also named New Brown at number nine. So no little, no Jake Simpkin. New Brown getting the start in the nine jersey. Adam Duhi on the bench again with Luke Brooks. Despite talk, maybe he'd get dropped for this one. Luke Brooks still in the halves. We see Alex Twile out with a long-term injury as well, which is really unfortunate for him. And on the bench for the Tigers, a young prop for Nua Pole, either Pole or Pole. Uh, I'll have to check how that's pronounced, but he'll be making his debut. And David Nofaluma for the Tigers, coming off a four-try performance for Samoa. On the other wing for the Tigers, Ken Marmalo, a former Warrior, getting to play at Mount Smart Stadium in the biggest game in a fucking long time, pretty much since the Grand Final 2011. So... Yeah, it's a huge run. I'm really, really pumped. Massive shout out to the players, staff, everyone involved at the Warriors for getting through this. And now we look forward. My key battle in this one, Sean Johnson up against Jackson Hastings. The halfbacks are going to have the final say in who wins this game. Could go to Golden Point. It could be a very close one. So Sean Johnson, Jackson Hastings, that is my key battle. And my point of difference the home crowd, Mount Smart Stadium, Auckland, New Zealand. That is going to get the boys over the line. Point of difference, Mount Smart Stadium and the Kiwi fans. My opinion, I've told you my opinion. This is, I'm so, so excited for this one. And I know Tigers could definitely spoil the party. I am not delirious. 
I or delusional rather. I have I am delirious. I've seen a hell of a lot from the Warriors to suggest that they could shit the bed in this game, but I'm keeping the faith. It's a new chapter. Forget about the old chapter. They would have shit the bed for sure, but this is a new chapter. So hoping we can get this new chapter off to the right start. And that would include no bad shit. So I'm going with the New Zealand Warriors. Fucking oath I'm going with the New Zealand Warriors. I'm sure you could tell. Sorry for Tigers fans that that was such a biased pick. But fuck yes, we kept the game going. We stayed in Australia. Fucking, you guys are 14th, we're 15th, honestly. Like, if you guys were, like, 7th, maybe I'd be like, yeah. But, hey, we're both in this together. We've both been equally shit for, like, a decade, Tigers fans. So... No disrespect to you guys, but I'm taking the Warriors. And look, the future of both clubs up in the air. We'll have to see who the coaches are long term. Uh, there'll be more to speak about on that front as the season goes on and there are more developments. But for now, we focus on the present. And that is that the Warriors are home. And I think they're going to get home in this game. So taking the New Zealand Warriors up against the West Tigers. Onto the last game of the round now, and I'll just preface this by saying Raiders are my second team. My dad's from Canberra, <clears throat> and I've always grown up support. Like, I'm from New Zealand, so Warriors are my side, but I've always grown up watching Raiders games as well. So they're my second team, uh, so I do support them as well. I'm really impressed with the Dragons in patches at points this season, including in their last outing against the Rabbitohs. Um, but yeah, I will have a little bit of a lens on the Raiders here, given that this is really important for their season. So I'm just going to put that out there because this is a really, really big game for the Dragons as well, who are in the eight. So arguably like Dragons better, bigger game for them and Raiders, if they lose this, then their finals hopes could be in tatters. You have the Dragons who are in eighth place. And if they win here, then all of a sudden fans get really pumped about the finals and I'm sure they already are, but Dragons starting to get things going. So that is really exciting for them. As for the Raiders, they are in 11th. There's still a chance though. And yeah, as I said, I'm really pumped for them. I hope they can get it done here. As a Warriors, like the homecoming is such a huge deal for me, but they are no chance of playing finals. So I am also clamoring on to the Raiders and hoping they can make a late run Really big fan of all the players in their team as well. Love Ricky Stewart as a coach. And I went to the Raiders game uh, against the Roosters in Canberra recently. That was an awesome experience. This one, a huge point here as well, is that this... this is, uh, Fucking hell. Uh, this is the first of two meetings between the two sides this year. So they're going to play again. And if one of these sides goes two from two against the other... That could equal finals. If Dragons beat the Raiders twice, that could be enough to see them qualify for finals if they can keep the ship steady. Whereas if the Raiders, if they beat the Dragons twice, that could very well see them take that spot in the eight. So this is a crucial game. This is the first of a two-game series, and whoever gets the win here will be a massive chance of kicking on. So really, really great way to finish the round on Sunday. And in round 22, these sides will meet again in Canberra. So Dragons will really want to get this one done. Raiders away from home. If they can get the win here, then they will have a lot of confidence going into their home game in Canberra. In terms of the team lists, a quick shout out on the extended reserves, Trey Mooney. Huge fan of his. I was actually at his debut game in Canberra. Really been keen to see him get a crack 
in the NRL for a while now. Now he has, and he was my one to watch going into this season. Huge fan of Trey Mooney, and he absolutely killed it for the New South Wales Blues in the under-19s origin. So excited to see Trey Mooney in green for years to come. Now, same 17 for the Dragons after the Bunnies thrashing. They were the ones who thrashed the Bunnies, not vice versa. So how could you change that team? Same 17 for St. George. For the Raiders, Jack Whiten comes back. Huge talking point around origin. And does he play on the bench? Does he play in the centers? Does he not get selected at all? A lot of talk around Jack Whiten. His first and foremost focus, though, will be the Raiders and their season and finals hopes. So that is a big inclusion for the Canberra Raiders this weekend. And Chance, Nicole Klukstad, he returns on the bench. Xavier Savage retained in the fullback position. Really good for him. And Chance Nicole Klukstad, he'll work some game fitness in and he will definitely be a factor uh, for the Raiders' rest of the season. My key battle in this one is the halves, Jack Whiten and Jamal Fogarty, who are starting to click, but they haven't had much game time together alongside each other. Up against the Dragons, Tullatau Amon, who he suffered a head knock or something. He may not play in this game, but he was named. And Ben Hunt, who is starting to warm as a halves combination. Ben Hunt really living up to his lofty price tag and the expectations of him as the halfback of the side. And the halves, this is where the game's going to be won. I'm expecting a big game from Jack Whiten on return. And Jamal Fogarty, I'm a huge fan of his as well. As far as my MVP, my most valuable player, I have gone with Joseph Tarpanay. Uh, best prop in the competition, best prop in the world at the moment. I think he's going to be a huge difference maker in this one. And my point of difference, Adam Elliott in the middle. I've really liked the way he's gone about his game this year. And since being moved to the middle, he's gone to another level. So I'm picking Adam Elliott as my point of difference for the Raiders. And anytime try scorer, I'm going to be getting on Hudson Young this weekend. Does have a knack for getting over the line. So Hudson Young, anytime try scorer. Talking points. Don't know why I did that. Uh, I've been up now for 12 hours. Fucking the 4am wake ups for work. I feel like I'm not even a human. Uh, finals implications. I've spoken about it. This has massive implications in terms of both sides seasons. And ultimately both teams as well have a great core uh, junior base and some really, really great youngsters on the books. So I, I think these sides are really great project sides over the next five to 10 years. That could really build into something special. So this, this year could be the first for both sides, a first year to really build towards something long-term where they are playing finals every season. So I'm really excited about the future of both sides down to the youth that they have on the books. And in the two game series between them this year, that is gonna have a massive bearing on where they finish come the end of the season. And in what should be a very, very close game, my head says the Dragons. I genuinely think the Dragons are going to win this, but my heart says the Raiders. I'm going to predict the Raiders because I'm going to be cheering for them this weekend. I want them to get it done, but I, I really do think the Dragons, um, they should be the favorites in this one, in my opinion, which I don't think they are, but um, I'm going the Raiders. Really like Joe Tarpanay and the whole side. Jack Whiten, I think, is in for a big game. 
And in a close one that is very hard to split, I'm just going on a biased view that I will be cheering and supporting the Raiders. So taking the Canberra Raiders over a very game dragon side who are looking to hold on to their spot in the top eight. So this is a big one to finish off the round, taking the Raiders over the Dragons. That is my thoughts on all eight games for the round. As you can tell, I am specifically pumped about the New Zealand Warriors homecoming. I cannot wait to sit down and watch that this weekend. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Not Just a Sports Report. And you can also follow us on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. You'll be able to see whenever new content drops. And I'm telling you, there's more content, plenty more on the way. If you like UFC, I'm dropping one in a few hours. And of course, the NRL Power Hour released on Sunday just after the games. I will have my thoughts on all the action from round 16. So you've heard me preview it. And on Sunday, I'll have a lot more hindsight as to how things are actually going. So really exciting for, or exciting? I can't lick fucking hell. Uh, Really excited for Power this weekend. So make sure to check in on Sunday for the NRL Power Hour podcast. And until then, before I butcher the English language anymore, take care of yourselves and enjoy the footy this weekend. Go the fucking Warriors. Thank you.